praise the Lord this morning. Now, we, we're going to clap. Then let's clap. If we're going to say amen, let's say amen. If we're going to sleep, let's snow. But Jesus is alive. And in all our ways, we can depend on Him. Not on others. Not on what's going on in our daily lives. Sometimes we can depend on an eternal God who never changes. Whose mercy endures forever. Let's pray with a heart of thanksgiving this morning. Father, God, sometimes we become so burdened by the things that we deal with in our daily lives. You get that. That's why over and over and over you said that you'll never leave us, you'll never forsake us, that you give us peace, you give us joy, you give us hope, you give us comfort, you give us strength. And your mercy, your love, your loving kindness endures forever. Father, I pray today that that would become such a reality in our lives. That for some, they would that's never met you in the fullness of your son's grace would come in repentance and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I am doomed without hope. And I ask you to forgive me. I pray today that it be someone who may be here today that needs to do that. Lord, they would just trust you as their Savior. Those of us that have been born again, but Lord, still are maybe chained, it feels like, with the strongholds and the problems of daily living. We're just worn down. Lord, I pray today we'd be refreshed and we'd realize that all the way you'll lead us and we'll trust you and follow you in your every word. God bless the music, bless the message. Lord, I pray everyone here today would leave here encouraged and excited about who Jesus is in their life. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated. Welcome this morning. If you're visiting with us at Eastside today, know that you're our special guest. We are thrilled that you're here today. And I see that we've had several more in Sunday school this morning. Numbers are up, and we're glad to see that. And we're encouraged what God is doing, and we look forward to great, great days ahead. God is doing so many wonderful things. And it was great to sit with our deacons this week and talk about how we're down to five digits. We're down below $80,000 paying off that huge debt. And God is blessing in that. And God has great things in store for us. Remember when you started that? I wasn't here. So I can't remember. I don't remember when y'all did that. But I do know that God blesses and God leads. We've studied through Nehemiah and Esther and saw how God provides from all different directions. Even a foreign king to provide for his people. Listen, God wants to do great things at Eastside in your lives. We'll just trust Him. So let's just worship Him today. We've got a special time this afternoon at 4 o'clock. Uh, 
in the beginning of our new We Ones uh, school year. And uh, so don't forget that. And then services tonight. Uh, we had a great time Wednesday night at our house for our uh, student back in school bash. And I appreciate the new beginning Sunday school class coming and participating. And youth, didn't we have a good time? We had over 50 there Wednesday night. And uh, so it was, it was a cool time. Uh, I went in there about 11.30, Mike, to, I mean, just get something to drink. And literally, there, it was down to water. I mean, everything we bought and the refrigerator is gone. It was gone, but it was a great, great time of fellowship. We're looking forward to a great uh, school year with all of our students. So uh, enough of me. Y'all ready to sing? Don't bring me weak stuff now. Let's sing. Let's sing because Jesus is worth it. Amen?
had to, um, now that the, the kids are in here, I've had to change uh, all my, all, everything I'm going to say between the messages that we can't talk about with them anymore. Um, so, uh, um, in Psalm 100, it says, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. Thanks to him, and praise his name. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Last weekend, um, Leslie and I were uh, able just to thank goodness for some good grandparents, uh, and just a schedule that worked out to me and Lauren covering the music. Um, we were able to get away uh, just for some time uh, by ourselves and actually sit down and have some conversation uh, without chasing kids and all that fun stuff. Uh, and we, came, we sat out on the beach Sunday and uh, watched the worship service on, uh, on my phone. Uh, don't break me into that every Sunday. It was good just to get away and just to worship as we sat there together. Uh, sing some songs, or listen to some songs, and hear some preaching. Um, you know, we came back uh, refreshed, uh, ready for the week, and ready for the kids to start school with um, everything like that. Uh, but then uh, Monday afternoon, uh, Leslie does a Bible study when we get home, and I'm walking through the kitchen, and uh, I hear this noise, and uh, I'm like, you know, that sounded like a pecan loom in my car. And so I walked out the door, I mean, I looked out the window, and I couldn't see my car, because uh, there was four pecan limbs that all fall at the same time uh, on my car. So, of course, first thought is, how much is that going to cost? And then uh, Tuesday, um, I think it was, uh, I get this text from Wesley that says, it costs that much to get an x-ray? And so that girl had an x-ray. It was on the Wasn't what we were expecting. Uh, and you know, you started school bringing its own expenses. So we're like, what is the world is going on um, with all this? But through it, um, God is still good. Um, God does like to hit you in the pocketbook every now and then to get your attention, or He likes your kid to start school to get your attention to make you lean in and draw near. But no matter what's going on, um, God is good. And even in those times, uh, we're supposed to shout to joy for the Lord. Shout for joy to the Lord in all the earth. We're supposed to worship Him in gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Because He is good. And His love and His mercies, they endure forever. Um, and His faithfulness, uh, it was, He was faithful in the beginning and He's going to be faithful in our days going forth. So, I just encourage you to rest in that. To remember that as we sing. Um, I don't know if it was the fact that we've been saying for his mercies in Lord forever uh, the past few weeks that I didn't like get into that last song because that's usually a go-to song. I'm like, they're going to sing this one. Uh, but, you know, God is good and he's good forever. So let's worship him today.
I'm just going to sit here and help you sung enough. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Hey, don't hurt me, but it was Psalm 136. Psalm 136. And as the lights come up, so shall we. Let's stand. We're going to read in response verses 10 through 15. I want you to hear this and not just say the mercy endures forever. I want you to hear the content of the Holy Spirit's directing of the psalmist through inspiration in these verses. Verse 10, Psalm 136. To him that smote Egypt and their firstborn. <coughs> Come on now, y'all should have gotten right there. And brought out Israel from among them. For his mercy With a strong hand and with an outstretched arm. For his mercy To him which divided the Red Sea into parts. And made Israel to pass through the midst of it. But overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea. Amen. You may be seated. Where have you experienced God's loving kindness? What are some things that are readily available in your memory bank of where you've seen loving kindness displayed to you. Maybe it was through God used another person or whatever. Have you ever experienced any of that mercy? Yes, amen. Where? Well, how, how have you experienced that mercy? Through a test? Yes. Oh, through a test. Someone... Show love and kindness. What are some situations God has displayed mercy to you? There you go. In the world we live in today, that's pretty big. Be delivered. God had you say that. You'll see this in a minute. What else? Anybody been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ? Yes. Every one of you should have shouted at the moment I asked that. But shame and disgrace in our own lives is, well, don't even dwell on that like we should. If you are going to heaven, God showed you love and kindness. Because you don't deserve it. I sure do not deserve it. As we quoted the greatest statement last Sunday night, I'm the chief. I know Paul thought he was. But I'm the chief. Sinner. Jesus died for my sins. And without his loving kindness, his mercy, the damnation that I deserve, I would receive. But because of his propitiation, because of the mercy of a holy God, 
In love, he prepared a sacrifice. And he delivered me. He has shown loving kindness and deliverance in so many different ways. We looked in the first part of Psalm 136 at where mercy lives and how we ought to be thankful. I mean, we go back to verse 1. Oh, give thanks. We ought to be shouting today. You ought to be so full of saying, God has shown me mercy in so many ways. I wouldn't even have time to preach. Whatever happened in those days of testimony meetings, of meetings where we were so full and we were so proud of who God is rather than our own sheepish uh, liabilities of narcissism that we don't want anybody to look at us and say anything to us that we were not ashamed to stand up and say, Jesus Christ saved me. I was a sinner lost and doomed to hell, but Jesus Christ in His mercy and in His love, the Father sent Him and He died and He loved me as the soul said, because that's the only way we can love Him. For Him to first love us. Oh, give thanks. Mercy lives in our thankfulness. When we become more thankful, that's the problem. We're not thankful anymore. We expect things. We demand things. We have raised our children in an age of entitlement where they think they are owed everything. They're owed a job. They're owed a house. They're owed a car. That the world owes them something. I'm afraid, parents, if something tragic happened to you, they're going to have a very crude, rude awakening. Because I've got news for you. Some of you new college students have already found it. Professors will tell you quickly, they don't know you either. I went to one one time, I said, you said in your syllabus that if I did all of this, that I would have an A. He said, well, that's true if it would have been done in this manner. I said, well, I feel like I... He said, well, it doesn't matter what you feel. I don't feel like you met up to it. I'm the professor. You're the student. You get a bit. Well, he had a little short man syndrome, so I dealt with it. <laughs> He's now a U.S. congressman. Hear me today. When we're thankful, mercy becomes mercy's there anyway, right? But when we are thankful, we see it. And the world sees it in us. But then we looked last week at mercy living in our faith and how we must believe and we must see that God is bigger than our little view. And God is the creator. God has an order. God has planned big God, isn't he? He's a big God, isn't he? Yes. But today I want you to see the personal nature of this song and where mercy lives. Mercy lives in deliverance. Being delivered. The word deliverance and salvation are interchangeable throughout Scripture, both in the Hebrew, Chaldean, and in the Greek. Wherever the language 
of deliverance is, it is a salvation. Where salvation is, it's a form of deliverance. When Moses stood at this juncture, when he stood at the brink of the Red Sea, a, an ocean in front and an army in back, and trapped between them are God's people. The words that God issued forth for Moses to pronounce upon the people was, Be still and see the salvation, the deliverance of the Lord. Look at me. Stand still and see what God can do. Don't look at me. I know I'm a failure. And I'm not trying to be overly self-deprecating. But I know I'm not the greatest speaker of them all. I listen. I know. Because there is no one that has more trouble listening to me than me. I can't listen to it on the table. Why y'all call me? Between you and God. But I do know that I'm telling you the truth today. When we will be still and stand in awe and see how big God is, we can see God has really delivered us from a lot. I mean, from a lot. If you ever traveled the world, you can see God has delivered us from a lot. If you've ever trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you know, though you've not seen the eternal ramifications Face to face, you know biblically and through faith, God has delivered you from great things. I want you to see how that mercy lives. God's love, His loving kindness lives in His deliverance. Verse 10. And it's kind of paradox. Almost oxymoronic to say God's deliverance and then read to him that smote Egypt in their firstborn. Now, if you're a tree hugging, left wing, climate changing, card carrying member of PETA, you're probably not going to really grasp this whole rationale. <coughs> For us to say God is full of mercy and then read a scripture that says God smote Egypt in their firstborn. It's hard to rationalize that, isn't it? It's hard to get that, right? Y'all ever read the story of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy? Have you ever read that story? We teach our kids this. We teach where Moses is on the backside of the desert. You know, why did he have to go there? Because he was disobedient. He killed somebody he shouldn't have in his anger. He had to run and hide. He was a wanted man. He thought he went where nobody would find him, and then God showed up. And how did God show up to Moses? In the burning bush. Y'all believe that's real? Yeah. You better believe it. The bush was on fire, and yet it was not consumed. I love it. Because you can't. God doesn't expire. Now, you light a fire on Becky and I in our first house. A terribly insulated, little bitty house. 
poorly built. We were proud of it. The good thing, it had a real masonry fireplace. I taught her how to build a fire very early in our marriage. I'd go split firewood and all that stuff because we just couldn't afford to pay that heat pump price. And the first winter when we were married, we were married in September of 89. And if any of you remember, and I don't know how bad it was down here, but in January of 1990, it stayed in the single digits for a week in Metro Atlanta. And so every night, we would, we would build, you know, we'd have the fire, the fire go 24 hours a day in the house. But when we would go to bed, we would take the firewood and we would literally stack it up in the fireplace all the way up to the damper. I mean, just as much as we could cram in that thing. But when we would get up in the morning, it would just be a pile of hot embers. And Becky, always being the morning person, a lot of times I'd get up in the morning, by the time I get up, she'd already put more wood back up in it and had it blazing. But it would burn down as much as you think, having it stayed that high, it, it, it would still be burning. It, it, it would always stay on you had it burnt down. See, God, with His infinite Godness, never burns down. He's never weaker. He's not one second in eternity weaker than He was when He spoke the worlds into existence. He's still the same God. So He speaks to Moses. He says, go, tell him to do this. And so what does Moses do? He goes back, right? And walks into the place that the wanted posters hanging there. Can you imagine? You know, Bill, look out. This dude looks like this. He's aged. You know, they, they've got the sketch artist. They put a little bit more gray maybe in his beard. And they said, you know, it's been a few years, but this is what he looks like. Moses, a.k.a., you know, son of Pharaoh's daughter. Bill Lookout, murdered an Egyptian. He busts right up in there. Post office, you know. He says, hey, I'm Moses. I ain't worried about you looking for me, but I got a word. What did he say? God said, let my people go. How many times did he say that? Technically, how many times did he say that? Court. This was 60-year-olds at home retired when God 
angel of death passed through, the firstborn died. And it wasn't just the firstborn of that. It was the firstborn animal. It was the firstborn of everything. But understand something. In this punishment and Passover, God had already extended nine chances and nine steps. One famous theologian, A.W. Tucker, once said, God will take nine steps towards you in grace, but he will not take the ten. Nine times God said, let my people go, and Pharaoh said, no. Nine times God gave him an opportunity not to have the Passover angel come. Nine times he extended grace. Nine times God offered mercy. And nine times Pharaoh said no and made it worse. Is that what your Bible says? That's what my Bible says. Nine times Pharaoh said, not only am I not going to let you go, but now I'm going to make it harder. Remember they started giving Moses a hard time somewhere in the middle of all that. Moses, you just need to shut up. You're making it harder on us. The more you tell him to let us go, the less straw he gives us to make brick. And the more brick we have to make, you are killing us. Your whole political platform is breaking our backs. Stop it. Moses said, it's not my platform. It's what God said. I'm going to keep on. But God had extended it. He extended it. They didn't trust. He turned the river to blood. He extended his mercy. And they refused and he sent flies. He extended it. They refused. And he sent frogs and lice and hailstones and all those plagues God sent. And nine times, nine chances, nine steps, Moses stepped up before Pharaoh and said, God said, let my people go. Stiffened his neck and hardened his heart and said no. How many times have you told God no? And wonder why? There's no mercy in your life. I've got news for you. God doesn't owe you anything. People say, how can, a, how can a loving God do this? I've got news for you. God is just as much a holy God as he is a loving God. And if you would get honest and read your Bible the way the Holy Spirit wrote it. You don't deserve anything. As we said, you're not entitled to grace. You're not entitled to an easy life. You're not entitled because you're born again not to have cancer. You're not entitled to have more money than lost people. You're not entitled to be the most important and be the coolest, most talented person in the world. You are entitled to I still like to watch the good old Charlton Heston movie. Just as I talked the other day about Ethan and I watching Jaws, you know, and Ethan's like, Daddy, dude, did the graphics on this thing is off. I didn't know what graphics was. It's 1975. I mean, it's this little robot thing. You know, the best part about it, they actually had a shot during that movie of a live shark. And he grabbed it onto the tank. That was one of the best parts of it. But you go even back further than that when they made the Ten Commandments with all the But the coolest part of that whole movie, to me, it wasn't even the parting of the Red Sea. To me, it was 
Because how, how are you going to draw a picture of an angel? How are you going to do a graphic of it? And the way that they had that almost like a black smoke. Y'all remember? It starts creeping down. Because I know what the Bible says. I thought of it as death. And that death was seeping under it everywhere. But here's the deal. When it got, y'all see over here? When it got to the house that trusted God. Alright, to the house that was obedient to God's word. There was blood right here. Right here. Right here. Am I right? They had done it the way God said. They took the hyssop. They took the blood from the lamb. And they had dipped it. And they had put it across the head and across the little and the sides of the door. The blood had been applied. So when the death angel come by and looked over that door, it said, yes, the blood's applied. And he kept going. And he kept going and he looked over this door. He said, yes, the blood's applied. Yes, the blood's applied. There's no blood. And he entered. You remember what he says? One of the saddest commentaries of all the scripture. So when the next day dawned, what did it say happened? What was the sound of the land? It was great weeping and mourning. For they found them dead in the bed. They found them dead in the field. They found them dead all over where the blood had not been applied. Church, I'm telling you today, it's still about the blood of Jesus. It's still about the blood of Jesus Christ. It will always be about the blood of Jesus. For He is the Lamb of God. And without the blood of the Lamb of God, the Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, there is no hope. There is no help. There is nothing apart from Jesus. We need to grasp the depth of verse 10 in punishment and Passover. Repentance or wrath? That's it. There's no middle ground. You can't be good enough, satisfied enough, give enough, be enough. It's either you repent of your sins or suffer the wrath of God. Verse 11. And he brought out Israel from among them. Come home. You've got to understand. Notice he didn't say he brought out the Hebrew children. And in the context, when it was happening, that's how they were referred to. But now the psalmist, and believed to be, Hezekiah refers to them as Israel. He goes all the way back to the covenant God made with Jacob. And he goes even back further than that to, to Genesis 12, to the Abrahamic covenant. He goes back to the very uh, origination of God's chosen people and says, God, when He chooses and when God directs, God finishes. And I've got news for you. I got hope. Listen to me today. Whatever you do, listen to me today. God has a plan for your life. Trust Him. He will not let you down. He will be with you. He didn't forget you. Our church family has suffered greatly in the last month. Great. Miss Biden, we're still praying for you. Many 
have suffered over the years. Many have been such a great witness to others and encouragement and comfort with the comfort they've received. We need to understand in the midst of all this, look, God brought out Israel from among them. There's release and removal. Release and removal. First of all, there's the release from bondage. He brought Israel out. If you are saved, hear me today, because if you are, you've either been tempted to believe this or you will be tempted to believe this. If you are born again by the blood of Jesus Christ, Satan's going to tempt you. You're lost again. He's going to tempt you that you were never saved to start with. He's going to mess with your mind. He's going to mess with your heart. He's going to mess with your emotions. Because if he can get you all unsettled about your salvation, he's not going to make you lost again, but he's going to so rattle you if you allow it to continue that you're no good to anything. You won't serve. You won't exist in the fullness of the grace God has blessed you with if you're not really sure if you've got it or not. But i got news for you. When he brought out Israel, he never intended for them to go back. Because God, in his mercy that endures forever, in his deliverance, it was a release from bondage. You've been released. Thank you. I don't know why that don't make us happy. Because some of us have never understood what it feels like to be really bound up. They were enslaved. They'd forgotten what Joseph had done for them. They'd forgotten everything. Some of us forget what God's done for us, but I've got news for you. If Jesus has saved you, you have been delivered from bondage. Stop living like a slave. Stop trying to make excuses for why you're wallowing around. You remember what they first said when they got outside of Egypt? They even got across the Red Sea. They got over there and they got hungry, got thirsty. What did they say? Yeah, why, why didn't you just, it would have been better to stay there and have the leeks and the cucumbers and whatever of Egypt than to be out here and die of starvation. How quickly we forget how miserable we are in sin. How quickly we and we can look back and we can talk about the good old days. Well, I'm going to tell you something. It's a figment of your imagination. And sometimes we'll talk about high school, we'll talk about what we did. And you know what we're doing? We're bragging on the devil more than we are how God brought us out of that and brought us to where we're at. Stop bragging on the devil, bragging on Jesus. And he brought them out. And he brought them out. And he brought us out. He delivered us from the deficit, the, uh, the absolute despotism of the king of England. He brought us out of the things of this world. He brought us out. Come out from among you and be a separate people, saith the Lord. Through Jesus Christ, we have been shamed. You who were dead in trespasses and sin. Have he quickened, made alive? We have been brought. I refuse, as Paul said, to let anybody hold me hostage 
for that which Jesus has set me free. He's released us, but not only did he release them, he said he brought them out from among them. It was a removal. Their past was gone. It was gone. When they walked outside of it, it was gone, gone for it. Put your past in the past. Stop letting him bring it up. And like the old saying goes, if Satan brings up your past, bring up his future. Yeah. Huh? I'd rather have my past than have his future. Amen. Jesus is our future. Eternity with glory, with the angels, with our Heavenly Father for all eternity. If you're born again. Church, we need mercy. We don't deserve mercy. We need mercy. God loves us enough that that mercy endures forever in removing our past as far as the east is from the west if it's under the blood of Jesus Christ. Notice in verse 12. With a strong hand and with a stretched out arm, His mercy endures forever. It's the omnipotence of God. God is bigger. God is better. God is smarter. God is stronger. So you don't know what I'm going through. I don't have to. I know God. How do you know you know God? I know God. He's my only father. Bible says that his sheep know his voice. I know my father's voice because he calls me by name. I know him, don't you? If you don't, please come to me. I want to share with you how you can know God. You see, there's a hand of judgment. Make no mistake about it. God is in control. When it's time, however you think theologically, whatever your theory is about how the end times are going to all come out, whether you believe it's going to be rocket ships, UFOs, or whether you think it's just all going to come to a screeching halt, the volcanoes are going to blow up, it's all going to implode, explode, I don't care. Just understand, however it happens, God's going to be the one who does it. Because I know, according to the end of Scripture Revelation, that God tells us that God is going to do away with the old heavens and the old earth, and He's going to have created a new heaven and a new earth. And a new Jerusalem is going to come down. Is that not what our Bible says in Revelation? My Bible says that if I'm, I'm a believer, which I am, I'm going to be there. Y'all with me? That's better than an overtime picture on the football field. That's better than a winning three-pointer with no time remaining. Look, that's better than a walk-off. That's better than any. That's better than a hole-in-one. I ain't even had one of them. <laughs> the greatest victory of them all found in not having to do anything. God has done it all. God delivers us. 
You see, his hand is a hand of judgment, but it's also a hand of protection. John 10 said that we've been placed into the Father's hand. And no one can pluck us out. But don't sweat the small stuff. People get under your skin. Look, don't rant on Facebook about it. Give it to Jesus. Good grief. They don't care anyway. He does. And, and the one you're aiming at, probably, you know, you're probably friends with on Facebook anyway. So who's going to read it? Somebody feels sorry for you and says, what's the matter with you? Did you want somebody to feel, feel for you? Did you want them there? Look, stop all that. Just tell it to Jesus alone. Huh? Yeah, I know it's going to be. I don't do it on Facebook. I do it with my FaceTime. I whine and complain, God, and I kick Grab, whine, complain. God, why you do this? Why you do this? God's like, dude, man. You're 50. Stop whining. You know, I understood more. You know, and, and, and I, I cut you some slack when you was, you know, 12. When you were 22. You know, when you're 36, you're 50. You should have been growing even more in sanctification. Get off the bottle, eat the meat, stop your wine, and trust me. Amen? Amen. Can God change abortion? Trust me. Can God change the sanctity of marriage? Trust me. Can God change government? Oh, if this one gets elected, I'm going to tell you something. Oh, one thing I know is God. He said, is there anyone that can shorten the arm of God? Where's my professional wrestling fans? Oh, they're in a small children's church. Those of you who are embarrassed and brag and say you like it too. Y'all watched it this night. Don't act like you did on Saturday night watching Lord and Soul and introduce you. Don't tell me you had never watched, you know, The Rock and Triple X and some of you like Stone Cold Steve Austin. Redneck beer government, the walls need Jesus. I like the good old and follow. All the good stuff. Listen, one of my favorites of all time, and one of them is dead now, most of them are dead, was the Road Warriors. Y'all remember the Road Warriors? Huh? If y'all didn't watch this, y'all live in sad shelter. Oh, please. I was watching Julia Childs. I was watching the Road Warriors. And their favorite, one of their favorite, and, and, and then. Nikita Koloff. Remember Nikita Koloff? Supposed to have been this Russian dude. He's this big monster. 
and his, and they all had their own their own specific you know action that they did their, their hold or whatever you know what Nikita's was the Russian sick he'd run across and he'd catch bam we call it clothesline clothesline I want you to understand that's what God's going to do when you smack down on his death. He's bringing the clothes on. Boom! Who can shorten the arm of God? He tells us right here, the arm of God is bigger and stronger. And why are we walking around like wimpy little, broken down, useless, being bullied by everything in the world, Christian, when our Heavenly Father has the arm of a warrior and a hand of a God, which is the only God. And we walk around like well, there's no hope. Woe is me. We're defeated. We might as well go along to get along. Man, please. Our God is an awesome God. Amen? He is God. He is Lord. He'll bring the sick one and it ain't from Russia. Don't laugh. That's funny. Every preacher can't bring in professional wrestling in the scripture. That takes talent to do. His arm has not been but the greatest of them all is not even the judge. We want God to judge him. We want God to bring the Russian sick on. But you know where the greatest display of God's outstretched arm is? In surrendered submission to the will of the Father. And they drove nails in his hands. He said, this is how much I love you. He stretched out his arm. And it looks like weakness to the world. Oh, that weak Jesus of y'all. It's just a crook. I'm going to tell you, the greatest thing he did was to be able to live in this world without sin and give his life for sin. And then be resurrected for That's victory, church. And that's our God. It's a hand of judgment with an arm protection that will never be shortened. And I want to try to finish up. He said in verse 13, to him which divided the Red Sea. Now it is a pretty good pretty good graphic on the Ten Commandments the way they did that. And then to see the studio where they filmed that how they have this wall that's kind of built and how the water drops out. Because you can still take a tour of it. And when you take the tour of that studio, you, they literally will drop the water out and you drive through where they film this part of the moon. The difference is used with hydraulics and all this. The water's only about eight foot tall in there. Look, this was for real. There was no hydraulics. There were no special effects. When God did it, it was miraculous. And he, he brought them out dry land. It was a separation. Number one, from adversity. It said stand still and see the deliverance of God. He parted the Red Sea and they wouldn't cross on dry land, right? Is that what your Bible said? If you've got a Bible that says anything different, throw it away and get the one I got. Because it says, and they went across on dry land. Now that's specific for a couple reasons. Number one, because of how many there was and God was allowing them to speed up in their separation from Pharaoh. But 
But number two is just the simple fact that made life easier. <coughs> oh, it's just easier when the ground's smooth than it is when it's rough, rocky, and muddy. You ever trot through the mud? You know, can't get off your feet. Out in Colorado, it's gray, and it's we think of Georgia clay. I'm, look, Georgia clay, it just makes you dirty. The clay in Colorado, it literally is clay. It's sticky. And the more you drive, walk, the, the thicker it would get. And you'd literally have to stop about every 10 or 12 steps and kick it off or rake it off to keep walking. Drive four wheeler up the road, and, and, and just a little bit, you'd have to kind of pull off and try to clean it out because it would fill up inside the wheel wells on the floor. It, it would just prod you down. Well, here's the deal in our life. Sometimes God's separation is from adversity. God separates us so we don't have to go through it. But the other part is, it's God's deliverance, God's mercy through adversity. Even though they were on dry land, they still had to go through the city. Y'all understand what I'm saying here? God will provide a way, but sometimes God still means for you to have to go through what you feel like you ought to get away with. God has brought you to the brink of the sea for, number one, you to acknowledge He can get you through it. Number two, to grow you through it. Number three, to show the world what He's doing in your life. Sometimes God delivers us from adversity. Sometimes He delivers us through the adversity. That makes sense. Life's not always easy. The life for the believer is always life. Because there is no death in Christ. And so even on our worst days, we're alive in Christ. Even on our worst days, God is being merciful to us through the adversity of our lives. He said, He made Israel to pass through the midst of Sometimes God, look, you can try all you want. God's going to draw you through the text. God's going to allow you to go through it. Trust Him. In verse 15, He said, but overthrew Pharaoh. Yeah, they went through it, but, there's the conjunction, but overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea. We need to understand in God's deliverance is a continuing deliverance. Every day. Every day, God is continuing to deliver us. Every day, God is with us. Every morning. The Bible says His mercies are mercy of your strength. Every day. If you're living in a really hard time right now, you're really praying. I mean, you're praying hard, God, I need your mercy right now. You're going to bed praying, God, I, I dread getting up in the morning. And you wake up and you say, God, I need your mercy. Is he there? Apparently, you're here. God's mercy is new. God's mercy is fresh. God is helping. God is leading. God is, and it's a continuing mercy. It's a continuing love. It's a continuing deliverance. And I want you to understand this. Israel's had some hard days since this, but they've never went back in bondage to Egypt. You know why? It was complete. 
church here today, God's grace is complete. It's complete in eternity. And it can be complete in your life. There's a continuing deliverance, but then there's a complete deliverance. One day, one day soon, our name will be called. The trump shall blow. One day, it's all going to be over with. There's going to be no more tests, no more studying, no more work, no more play, no more vacations, no more ball games, no more favorite TV shows, no more pain, no more suffering, no more trials, no more tribulations. And the complete deliverance will have taken place 40 long Perfecting years they were in the wilderness. But you know what? God was preparing them the day that they would walk across again on dry land and enter in the promised land. God has a plan for your life. God has a purpose. God has a place. You've got to trust Him today. You've got to believe that this scripture is real. God's mercy and yours through. They're going to come to the instruments and God is coming to your heart and has through this message. You're struggling. You're, you're looking for answers. You're looking for hope. You're looking for help. And you're tired of beating your head against the wall. You are tired of hurting you're tired of feeling just empty. You need to come today and say, God, I need that mercy. Not because the preacher said it, but because you said it, God. If you can bring Israel out of Egypt, if you can deliver them from bondage, if you can bring them across the Red Sea and keep them and feed them through the wilderness, you can do whatever you want in my life, Lord. I need that in my marriage. I need that in my home. I need it on the job. I need it in school. I need it in church. I need it, God. I need your mercy. Stand and come, right? A lot of mercy there. Don't, don't let it go unclaimed. Come trust me.
Isn't he good? Amen. Amen. May God bless you as you go today. Don't forget the announcements, look in the bulletin as well. Communicator. And then uh, not only services tonight, we tonight. We're looking forward to a great week in the Lord.